Next Sunday is Trinity Sunday. It will also be the day of the installation, and I don't know if our preacher is going to preach about the Trinity. But I will tell you that a year ago, when I met with the search committee for the first time over here in the deepening room, we talked about what the Trinity means to us. And we went around the room and we talked about the different persons of the Trinity, God the Creator, God the Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And as I recall, a lot of us were really comfortable with God the Creator and God the Christ, and we were a little fuzzy on God the Holy Spirit. It's easy to understand the first two, God the grand architect in the first chapter of Genesis who puts everything into motion, God the parent who gives us life and sustains us in that life. It's easy for us to think about this itinerant rabbi Jesus, Yeshua of Nazareth, who walked among us and taught us and challenged us because that was to be God in human form, showing us what it looks like for God to walk in human clothing. But the Holy Spirit is a little vague and a little difficult to pin down by definition. Now, the Holy Spirit did not just show up on the day of Pentecost as people were gathered. The Holy Spirit had been there all along. Our Jewish sisters and brothers called it the Ruach, the breath of life that wandered over the waters when the earth was a formless void and the deep. The Ruach, the Spirit, was there. But you also may remember a story early on in Genesis when they tried to build a tower up to God. It was called the Tower of Babel. And they built it higher and higher. And God scattered the people out of their arrogance. And they all ended up speaking foreign languages and couldn't understand one another. It's one of those stories to try to explain why things are the way they are. And here at the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes down and it doesn't matter if you speak another language, we can all understand one another. It's a big, mysterious thing, and we do our best with colorful streamers and with sound effects and a little liturgical scripture experiment to try to get a sense of the chaos that day. I invite you all together just to take a breath together. Inhale and exhale. Now, in church, we call that the Holy Spirit. You might call it something else in biology. You might call it something else out, out there. But in church, it's the Holy Spirit. And I want you to do it again. Inhale. And then let's make a sound together. Ah. Uh, sustain it. Uh, you can do better than that. like yoga class. That is the sound of the Holy Spirit in our midst. You see, when we pray together, when we sing together, we're trying to call up that spirit again, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, and I believe even in the Latin spiritus. The word not only means spirit, but it means breath. It means wind, like the violent wind we just heard about that blew through that room of 120 people, all trying to figure out what they were going to do next. And it gave them a sort of CPR, a sort of resuscitation, that actually now they could be the body, the hands, the feet of Jesus Christ in the world. That they could go forward and be empowered. It was amazing what happened that day. Scared people suddenly got gutsy. Shy people suddenly found they had something to say. 
People who felt like they had nothing to offer realized they had a gift. And you and I see this all the time when the Holy Spirit, which is what we try to call it theologically, is actually at work, things change. You may have seen it in a group of people who all came in with their separate agendas to a meeting, who were all braced for a fight. Hopefully this happened to you in church or someplace, and someone said a prayer just to get us all in the same space. And something turned, and people were willing to listen to one another and take a moment and realize it was about something bigger than themselves, and hearts changed, and there came some sort of consensus out of the meeting. That's happened to a lot of our churches on the open, affirming, reconciling, welcoming issue. People came in all braced for fire, loaded to bear, but they listened to the Spirit and let the Spirit breathe among them. You might have experienced when you've gotten into a rut in your life, when you feel like you're doing nothing but moving one pile of bricks from one place to another, day in, day out, and then one night, you're lying in bed, and you hear the sound of a bird tweeting, one you haven't heard before, just some sort of song, and something drops down in you and changes. And for some inexplicable reason, you realize it's going to be okay. You may have experienced it when you were out of right relationship with someone and you rehearse the call you need to make or the note you need to write and you can't take yourself to that person because the anger and the resentment and the grudges have built up so much. But then something happens where it all turns and you realize, I can have this conversation and you get to have a heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul interaction. You can call it whatever you want, but I call that the Holy Spirit. You see, for several weeks now, we've been ending all these passages from the book of Acts saying the good news of the Holy Spirit. But just what is the good news of the Holy Spirit? One of the good news things about the Holy Spirit is we are not in control. Jesus told this to Nicodemus when Nicodemus came to him by cover of night, afraid to be identified with this renegade. And Jesus told him, he said, if you want to be born again, you've got to be born from above or born anew. And it was hard words for Nicodemus because he was a very literal nuts and bolts kind of guy. And Jesus said to him, the spirit blows where it chooses. You know neither where it goes or from whence it comes. That is the wind, the breath, of the Holy Spirit. And when we're willing to pull up our sails of our own gifts and talents and let the Spirit blow, it does many more incredible things than we can possibly imagine. It lives into the words that Paul says that God can do more than we can. God can move the impossible. There's one basic tenet of the Holy Spirit which I believe has to do with the breath. And I worry sometimes in our culture, particularly the culture of Brookline and Boston, that we don't breathe enough. That we don't take time to just relax. I was talking with someone this week who's from Florida and she said, you know up here it seems to be so much about quantity and productivity and not enough about quality and really sinking into the meaning of things. I don't know if that's true in your experience, 
but I've experienced that sometimes, and I've lived here for 20 years, and I love it with all my heart. But I worry sometimes that we feel like we have to respond to this fast-paced world of ours with the same velocity that it's coming at us, that we get caught up in another kind of spirit, which is the spirit of consumerism, which is the spirit of quickness, which is the spirit of 24-7 immediate response, instead of taking deep breaths of the Holy Spirit, who is inclined to say to us, calm down, it's all right, I've got this. Andrew Weil, the great health guru who has studied healing systems all over the world, says the one common denominator in all the great healing systems is the breath, that you're willing to pay attention to the breath. So take a deep breath. Let us inhale and exhale. And do it a second time. And exhale. And do it a third time. I believe if we'd all take a little Holy Spirit moment when things get too intense, when things get too heated, when things seem out of control, when things seem like we can't go any further, our breath is always there. It happens whether we will it or not because of the way our bodies are designed. But I believe if we're willing just to recognize that God is there with us in the Spirit, we can calm ourselves down, we can renew ourselves, and become more of the people God has called us to be. Emily Dickinson wrote about this in her famous poem, where she said, Who has seen the wind? Neither I nor you. But when the leaves hang trembling, the wind is passing through. Who has seen the wind, neither you nor I, but when the trees bow down their heads, the wind is passing by. I would say to you, who of us has seen the Spirit? Neither you nor I. But when we sing in harmony, we know the Spirit indeed is nigh. As our children told us, it's hard to see the Spirit unless you're really looking for it for those moments that cause you to cheer, that turn the conversation around, that calm our hearts and still our minds and inspire our lungs. And that's what we need, is time to be inspired, time to let the spirit in and breathe it out again. Let's breathe one more time together. To breathe together is to conspire, and when we breathe together, we launch conspiracies all the time. Conspiracies of the Holy Spirit. To be in our midst, to go against a culture that demands too much too, all the time. To relax and rest in the heart of God, which is really what we were called to do anyway. Amen.